You're listening to TJ Talks. <laughs> All right, we're going ahead. We're rolling. All right. All right. We'll, we'll, if we have a problem, we'll just fix it later. Sounds good. All right. Welcome to TJ Talks. I am your host, and this is Jed, and I'm joined by my illustrious co-host, Teresa. And man, we have a week of stuff. Uh, today, we're going to talk about three topics. Those topics are the very well-known Jack LaLanne, the man who should never have died. We, we are going to talk about uh, the craziness, which is Keith Oberman. And oh, poor Keith. what's up with that? And finally, at some point, and then these are in no particular order yet, is the State of the Union and what we thought about that. And additionally, we have a spot by our friend Chris, who uh, has brought us some stuff. So yeah, really graciously has decided he could send us some MP3 uh, sound bits, and he produced a really nice segment. So a shout out to him um, for doing that. And and obviously, if anybody else is interested in sending something into the show, please contact us. We're always looking for content. Mm-hmm. And we're hoping he, he'll stick around and, and maybe contribute in other ways, too. So... So anyways, as we transition right into yes. the program, here we go. Let's uh, talk about the, you know, I'm thinking the first thing I'd like to talk about really is the State of the Union. Okay, because it's the freshest. It's the- and I do have to say that I watched the speech and the Republican rebuttal, but I, I couldn't watch back Bachman. I just, I can't, I can't watch her. So I don't, I can't speak on her part. I've read every scathing thing or, or whatever about her. And I, I can't comment on her wait, thing, but let, let's go back. No, well, wait, wait, <laughs> it, you know, I know we're jumping the gun here, but I don't even know this Bachman thing. I guess I, I turned it off or they turned it off on me. Before oh, you that. didn't listen to her. She is batshit crazy. First of all. And, and I'm surprised I didn't see it, but apparently she was looking into the wrong camera for most of it. So her, you know, it's, it's a bummer when, when you give bad TV, you get deemed an idiot. And, and that's a bummer because she doesn't deserve that because of the bad TV thing. She deserves it for some of the other things that she says. But She's if a- somebody doesn't look good on TV, they're deemed unlikable. And that's not... That's not the case. This is not that. But for her, apparently, she she made a TV faux pas by looking at the wrong camera. But what is her? She's uh, Tea Party. Correct. Why is uh, why did the Tea Minnesota. Party get a their own thing? I don't know what was up with that. Who even decided that a third thing could weigh in or what? I mean, I'm all about let's have more voices and more responses. But, but there is Do, no official Tea Party. They're not right. Correct. They're they are really Republicans that are just extra to the right. Right. Exactly. That, I, I don't know why they got that spot. So that's kind of like BS. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And obviously do other um, Bulls parties, hit. do they get a chance to respond? They don't get TV time for that. So what other factions of the, the Democrats don't have their move on division, you know, yeah. come on and respond, whatever. It, well, exactly. You know, well, yeah. though there's, you know, the reform party, there's a, uh, you know, the, we're about the American communist party and right. Know, exactly. I know. mean, if everyone's going to get a say, so everyone should get a say. So I, I don't know if they had to pay for that time. I assume it was given to them. I, I don't exactly know. That's crazy. Yeah. So oh, well, let's get back so she, to the real. Time. Yeah. Go back to the, to the real speech and the real speaker. Um, okay, first of all, in my public speaking fetish that I have, I, I love the idea of this speech and that they start writing it weeks beforehand, and he, I'm sure he starts practicing it weeks beforehand, and for someone who's recently given speeches badly or that need improvement, I feel like the onus of delivering that message, it's got to be huge. Political parties aside the fact and the preparation and the work and all of the pomp and circumstance around that night makes it very stressful, I'm sure. So I give him a thumbs up for just, you know, looking as good, sounding as good and being as good with that as he can. I think it's awkward when the people are sitting behind you and you can't read their faces and it's, I don't know. What did you think about the mechanics of it? Well, first off, I thought that he, he looked good. He sounded good. Those were, from a speech perspective, I thought he did a good job connecting to the audience. But what, uh-huh. I, what I didn't like was I didn't really like this way the speech was 
itself. And I've mentioned this on a couple places, like on Slate, where I've put some comments on the Political Gab Fest uh, Facebook page. Uh-huh. I stated that the first thing that presidents generally do is they always tell you what the State of the Union is. He never did that. He did at the end, right? Did he? Yeah, he said the state of our union is strong, or words to that effect, and and carried on. But it was in his closing. It wasn't in the beginning. Uh, You're uh, right. That is a tradition that most people do it towards the beginning. And that's where it should be. You know, America, the state of our union is strong. And that's... Okay, I have a problem with that, though. Or whatever. What is he going to say? What is he... Like, oh, we're really screwed. I mean, how can he not say that? So I don't think he, I, I sort of disagree. I don't think he has to say it. I think, I think there are other ways to, to allude to it. And, and since he's never going to say the state of our union is really crappy, mm-hmm. then it sort of leads to, it's a nothing statement. It loses its value to me. Well, maybe that's what he should have started off with. <laughs> but people would be so up in arms if he said the state of our union is crappy, even if it's the truth. <laughs> He would be well, in trouble. He could say it could be better. Yes. I wish <laughs> I wish maybe they could address the, the room for improvement part of where our union is at. And in theory, there's room for improvement on everything. Right. So, yes. I read somewhere where they said it'd be funny if the president said that for, started off where it going, jib jab. <laughs> jib jab night. Yeah. Or a Baba Booey or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be funny. <laughs> Although I will say that he had a couple really good jokes in there that were pretty funny. Yes. And uh, did you, what was the one that I, I caught the one. The salmon one was pretty funny. That, yes, you know, the there smoking. are three different divisions that happen with salmon. If it's freshwater versus saltwater, and then if it's smoked, it goes somewhere else. That was funny. And then the TSA pat down joke I thought was funny. Although I don't know that that's the speech to be making jokes in. I, I appreciate that he made light of some things that we are all very aware of. But I, I don't know. Sometimes it seems like maybe he ran a risk there that he could have gotten lampooned for being a jokester. And that's not what this speech is supposed to be about. But, but, I, I don't. Well, you know, Jesse Ventura has right now a big major lawsuit against TSA for the pat downs. So what is his beef on that? I haven't read the. Well. He's got a, you know, like a replaced hip. It's a metal hip. Oh, And so okay. he can never really go through these scanners because they zap him. And he doesn't like, I guess, the new scanner feels there's something, some issues with that. So he, Well, yeah, it's radiation filled. So it's a force pat down every single time <laughs> instead of, uh, you know, just a quick wand sweep or, you know, look at my doctor's note type of thing. And, and the fact is... He's a known entity. He's a frequent flyer, and that's why he feels that it's um, you know that they need to fix it f- for people who are frequent flyers to be able to you know get through security, especially if they have a condition like this. Well, it's funny that you say that. I heard a comedian talking about that last week that he had flown from you know Boston to Cleveland to um, Dearborn, Michigan. I mean, it's been all around in the last month. And has gone through the scanner Mm -hmm. just randomly. He's been scanned and asked to be scanned each time. So he's done it four times in four weeks. Now, they say that there is some radiation involved. And although it's not much, if you continue to expose yourself to it, it's going to be a little bit of an issue. So so there is a beef there. But I don't know how you're going to fix that. Because Jesse with his bad hip, okay, he's going to bring a doctor's note. But what if I just don't want the radiation exposure? Do I get out of it? How do we... How do we mandate that? And at some point, do we just all have to just do what we have to do? I, I don't know. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is like if you're a radiation worker, let's say that mm-hmm. you're a uh, x-ray tech. Right. Or you work at a nuclear facility like a nuclear power plant or something of this nature. There is a radiation exposure issue for occupational health, uh, occupational standards. Right. And I know we're off the topic of of our. Oh, yeah. When we go the TSA route. Yeah. yeah. TSA route. But (laughs) but I I just want to say that there are limits and standards to how much radiation that you can get. And we're not really being told how much radiation really that as opposed to what they call background. Like we get Mm -hmm. background from the sun and all this stuff. TV. Yeah. Sure. And then they have, you know, like source radiation, like Mm -hmm. from an X-ray machine. And there's a limit. 
And so we don't really know exactly. I, well, you would think it'd have to be pretty powerful to go through clothes, to go through all this stuff. More powerful in my thoughts than an X-ray. I'm right. sure you're exposed to some serious radiation. And I wouldn't yes. be surprised if you turn into the Hulk when you go through that machine. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get some superheroes out of this whole deal. I, that, so that's let's really hope for what that. it is. Yeah. But you're right. Okay, so back on topic. Yes, he joked about the TSA, which I think was – I actually thought it was funny. Yes, is it sort of a uh, – maybe it's a third rail topic to, to talk about the TSA. But he, his attempt was to be humorous, and it, and it did work for me. Although I just think you run the risk when you're humorous in the State of the Union address – getting in trouble for it. But, but he seems to come out okay on that side on um, that one. Yeah, I think at the big, at the end of the day, because you know what it was about, it was about light rail. He said, you know, we really want to push this light rail, light rail, light rail. <laughs> you know, he said something like 80 plus percent of America should be covered and be able to travel a country that way. Right. Or, you know, or high speed rail. Maybe that's what it right. was. So, exactly. And so, we should be more connected. Mm-hmm. And, and I think maybe the tone of this speech, what took me off, guard was the things that he spoke about. I mean, very little foreign policy stuff, very little. Um, it was big picture, I guess, but big picture about little things, you know, children and families and education, which is a big issue, but just that we need to focus on these things. And it, it just seemed to be a little different tone than I recollect other presidents having in their State of the Union address. And I appreciated it. I appreciated that he said, you know, kids need, parents need to turn off the TV so that kids do their homework. We have less than 25% of people graduating from high school or, or you know, 75%, whatever it was. Right. So, yeah, there, there needs to be some parental responsibilities. And I don't know that I've ever heard that mentioned in a State of the Union address. So that was interesting. Well, you know, I'm glad. I think a lot of teachers are glad to hear that. But, you know, when I'm listening to, um, to the people that we know that are teachers that are looking mm-hmm. for jobs right now in teaching, and he's on there saying, you know, America, become a teacher. Because that's like, you know, everything that he says in this speech is like a freaking mandate to what America should be doing. Right. And you have a whole slew of unemployed teachers sitting on the sidelines that can't get jobs anywhere. You go, yeah. what the F is up with that? Yeah. And it pisses me off is what it does. Yeah, because he's saying and asking people to do something that's that's a no win or it's not going to work for them. You're right. right. I, I agree. I think I like the spirit of that. But you're right. That's the reality is it's not a great time in this world for teachers. Will it be differently in five years? I I don't know. Go, you know, go hire Trish. She's ready to be working right now. Exactly. Yes. Yes. I can think of five friends of mine right now that are unemployed teachers, which is crazy. We have good people who want to, um, I was going to say touch the youth, reach out and help the youth. We don't want them touching the youth, but no, you know what I mean. No, no. They only do that here in Florida, by the way. All, all oh, of, the, no? all of okay. the teachers that are accused of that, I think, are here in Florida. Maybe there was one but in You know what Seattle. I'm saying. That was a bad choice of words. But right. that, that they want – they do have something to offer, and they became teachers for a reason. And and I like the idea that, that they're called nation builders in, in South Korea. I think that was very interesting. And we should have some more reverence uh, for our teachers. We We never have – or we don't now. So I'm curious if that will change a little bit. Yeah. Let's see. Other thing I heard him say, and this I think should scare some people, pull the subsidies from the oil companies. Like they need it first off. Yes. I, I don't know what he, yes. Is that ever going to happen? I just don't have any confidence that it's ever going to happen. But you know what? I believe just because he said that oil prices rise and gas prices rise to another 50 plus cents because they want to start making up for the shortfall today. Hedging their bets on that. that that's huh? right. Yeah. We'll, we'll do wouldn't it. surprise me. I, I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, I just don't, until the big business part of it is done, I, I don't see that happening in our political system, but, but I'd love to be optimistic that it, that it is and that he could, mm-hmm. but things, things that we heard, you know, China has the fastest computer and China has the largest, uh, most efficient is it solar energy plant or yeah. alternative energy plant. Right. Um, and I don't think China, China's huge and it could be problematic, but I don't think, I mean, China's not us. So to hear that we're not first in all of these things, we're ninth in college graduates where, you know, I hope people really listen to those numbers and can start taking some more 
responsibility for being Americans and for being number one, like we're supposed to be, you know, I I think that hearing that, that we're ninth in college graduates, producing college graduates in the world, the ninth country, I thought, well, damn it, my kids better go to college because we got to get that number up. It made me want to make sure that somebody I know finishes college. So I I like that motivational factor. You know, though, that, and like he said in his speech, that America's where you go anyways, if you want to innovate, if you want to be the leader in something, they come here mm-hmm. anyways, even though right. you can, you can produce, you know, I mean, let's face it. If you have 3 billion people, you're going to in volume produce right. more graduates. Right. <laughs> no, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I don't know if there's a pound per pound. Uh, there may be a uh, per graduation cap- ratio, but yes. Per capita. <laughs> per capita. Right? The, the, the famous <laughs> per capita words. Right. Right. But it's things like that where, you know, in 1955, there was no one bigger, better doing anything more than us. And, and that in only that short amount of time, 60 some odd years, we've kind of let that fall. And, and, and it feels to me like we've always just kind of be rested on our laurels. That this is America. We can do anything. We can have anything. We are anything we want to be. And yet those things didn't happen in 1955 without a lot of hard work. So that's the part that I think gets lost a little bit. Uh, you know, and talking about things in the fifties, cause I work out there at the Cape where there's lots of things that were built in the fifties and sixties okay. out there based on those people's hard work. And it still sits there today. Right. And I will say that based upon what I see us build today versus what they built 50 years ago, they built way better. Better. They did. And then the, the, the other side of that is, well, they didn't have the EPA and they didn't have to go through all this rigmarole. And, you know, a project from start to finish could take a year and a half, whereas now it takes nine years just to get the environmental studies and blah, blah, blah. So, so there's always these naysayers about we can't do what we used to do because of all of this federal uh, regulation or, or rigmarole. But, and a key example to that, I think, is the Twin Towers and whatever it is they're replacing them with. Like, why has this taken 10 years? Oh, yeah. Well, and look, it's there's all this rigmarole. Well, look, here's the deal. He gets on there and he goes, this is our Sputnik moment. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking, <laughs> and then he lays out like, you know, three, four, five different like cool ideas that he's got. Like, well, <laughs> let's do education. We'll do maybe some like, you know, transportation, right? some energy, tax reform. Tax yeah. reform. I'm like, <laughs> no, no, that ain't your Sputnik moment. Your Sputnik moment is when President JFK said, we choose to go to the moon, not because it is easy, but because it is hard. You right. right. The Sputnik moment was we're going to the freaking moon, guys. That's the goal. It's yeah. not three things. It ain't like try to figure out that we're going to make up some stuff along the way. Right. The deal is we have one mission. All the other stuff is ancillary to getting there. So if he had just said my Sputnik moment is going to be about education and within 10 years – we're going to be, you know, uh, the leader in the leader in in scholarships or whatever it is, right. or producing graduates, whatever. Is it, that enough for you, yes. or doesn't he have to say all these other things no, too? He should have said the Sputnik moment is we are going to be uh, not on um, what do you call it? Uh, oil. We will be reliant oil, on. We, we, energy, will, we yes. will be oil independent by the year uh, twenty thirty five. Mm-hmm. That's my challenge to you guys. Make it happen. Yeah. That's what he should have said. If he wants. That would be. Yeah. If he wants a Sputnik moment, you're right. You're right. It could have been that definitive and it has to be that focused. It has to be that focused. That's right. Because the space race was that definitive and focused. That's right. So we will do anything. We will do anything. We will meet. We will meet everybody on the, on the playing field to be number one. This is what we're going to do. And I don't care what it takes to get there. Yeah. So you people who are now graciously sitting by one another mm-hmm. and getting credit for sitting by one another, which absolutely burned my hide, uh-huh. um, make it happen and quit, quit petty differencing us into stagnation and make something happen. So I, I wish I could have heard a little more of that from him, too. Yeah. So. And that whole, we're going to sit by each other and it's going to be a, a new civil discourse and blah, blah, blah. It's like. 
don't you go to work every day and sit by probably 35 people who don't probably have the same opinions as you? Yes, we all do that every single day. And we still manage to accomplish things. So why they can't do it and why they should get credit for sitting by one another literally made me crazy. I did kind of like the idea that they should sit by states. By states. Oh, is, is that what they did? I didn't hear I, I, that. I kind of so. saw that they kind of showed, they said, and they go, and the um, delegation from New Mexico. And then ah, they, the and they moved over and they zoomed in over there. Okay. And then uh, you saw the empty seat. Yes, of course. Of and course. so I'm thinking that maybe that's what they did was they should put everybody by their perspective states. That's not a bad idea. And, and, I mean, and, and can I say something that's not going to be popular? Oh, yeah. I don't want ribbons. I don't want armbands. I don't want, I don't need that. Nobody needs that. If you play a professional sport and somebody dies, I guess you can put a black thing around your sleeve. But I just, because then there's the controversy of so-and-so wasn't wearing a ribbon or so-and-so had the ribbon on sideways or whatever. I, I just, it's so distracting and not necessary. Obama did not have a ribbon on. And I'm glad. I, and I guess it's nice. If I ever get something and people want to wear a ribbon for me, I guess I would be happy about that. But I don't need it. And nobody needs that. And it creates controversy that isn't viable or there. I just, I don't need ribbons. I don't need Lance Armstrong's yellow wristband i don't need it i understand cancer sucks and her getting shot was horrible and i don't need to wear a ribbon to commemorate that that's just me just save save your money on creating them and i'll give you your dollar to throw in the yes exactly put the dollar towards something better and and i guess i maybe i'm a little hypocritical i own some pink stuff for breast cancer awareness or whatever but i don't make a big deal out of doing that every day exactly i just don't i can't i can't go there in my mind so i the whole ribbon thing i think i just think it i just don't need that i don't know i'm sure people don't like that people want to wear ribbons so well if you want to wear a ribbon whatever right what <laughs> so anyway all right so what else can we can we complain about or, or talk about on that i i think that was i give the speech a thumbs up okay well it, yeah now the one thing i really liked was mm-hmm. his tax talk Talking about okay. wanting to simplify the taxes. But what does that mean? Well, you want everyone to fill out the same form? How can can we talk about a flat tax for everybody? I, I think that's what he was getting to. He wants to simplify the code, reduce deductions to make it just so that you have like a stand, a large standard deduction. Get mm-hmm. rid of a lot of erroneous or you know extra paperwork. Yes. And by you know it, basically they know what people are supposed to pay. Why are right. we going through this stupid paperwork shuffle when that's kind of bullshit? Where the, the binder for tax code preparation is, you know, 3,000 pages thick. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I, I, I'm i not a college graduate, but I'm a fairly intelligent person and can fill out most forms. And I would absolutely never fill out a tax form for myself and our business because I'd be afraid I'd screwed up and then I'd be in bigger trouble. Mm-hmm. So even with all the turbo taxes, which I've used, um, I, I don't. I don't like to do it because I think, oh, somebody who knows better or can read that 3,000-page book should be doing this, not me. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I think a flat tax is a great idea. I don't know that it will ever happen, but I do like that idea. I, I probably pay more in taxes each year than I should. I do I do use that TurboTax online mm-hmm. and uh, we take the standard deduction because I can't get there with all – I don't know how people do it. I've tried to do deductions, but the system, maybe I just am stupid, I guess. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> well, and I think for for you, filing as a joint person, yeah. there maybe isn't. And and probably for, for my married return, there probably isn't. For our business return, though, there are deductions oh. and things that have depreciated. Lord uh, knows I have. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Not. <laughs> So, yeah, I wouldn't even want to guess on that. And I keep meticulous records and I have receipts of everything and I take all of it in a big box and throw it at the lady and she does it for us. Oh, so that's – and I, it cost me, you know, a couple hundred bucks, which I hate. And you can sleep at night. Well, I can't pay my taxes, but I can sleep at night. <laughs> 
<laughs> so when I have to podcast from Leavenworth, Kansas, you'll understand why. But yes, <laughs> I happen to know that they can make little rocks back into big rocks. There. Big rocks, great. That'll be my job, I'm sure. <laughs> right. On the other side of the fence, they make big rocks and the little rocks, and then the other side they reconstitute them and go back. Good. Okay. Well, at least I know I'll be busy. Yeah. So did you ever? Yeah. See, you ever see that movie Cool Hand Luke? You know what? I've never seen it. You've never seen it. I've never seen it. In fact, I'm going to write that right now on my list of movies to see. Paul Newman classic. It's a Paul Newman. I know. And he eats all the hard-boiled eggs or something? He does. Yes, I need to see There's a scene where he has to dig these holes. Okay. And then he has to fill them back in and then re-dig them again. Oh, my gosh. Sounds like my regular I don't think it's really any different than that. And, All and, right. And, well, and that's where the you, was good, right? Yeah, yes. Yes. It, it was, it was good. It, it, it just, I think it was, my thought is good, but a little bit too campaigny for me. Oh, interesting. Okay. That, that was, well, it's campaign season now, right? He's got two years left. Well, I just, it felt like a campaign speech to me. It was filled with promises rather than the report. Okay, yeah, you're right. That's 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 a bad point. Um, I mean, why didn't he sit there and start talking about accomplishments? Really, that's what he should have been talking about. You know, I mean, he did it a little bit, but there was just more promises than there was definition. Okay. Interesting. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, what did we accomplish so far in the last year? We accomplished. I mean, it should have been we accomplished this. We accomplished this. We accomplished this. Yeah. So either he hasn't had enough accomplishments or he's not good at touting them because he did talk about, he talked about the healthcare bill. He talked about don't ask, don't tell briefly. Yes. You know, he made some comments about the tax cuts that they all agreed on finally um, or extending whatever they were, those tax cuts. So I guess those were some three kind of key issues that within the last six months they've, or year they've gotten done. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, and there is a ton of stuff before that, that, that could be still touted and too bad he didn't do that. Yeah. He spoke more about bipartisanship. I mean, these are really good, important things such he as like, always does that though. And the thing about it is, is that nobody's listening and it's not happening. I, I guess he'll go down in history as being the, the best trier of getting people to bipartisanship, but it, it's just not happening at all. Like he said, you know, talking about healthcare, he goes, you know, healthcare is good, but it could be better. Yeah. And he admitted to that. And I appreciate that candor. I appreciate that he isn't dying on that sword one way or the other. So I I like, I like that about him. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. Maybe from the beginning, he could have said, yeah, the state of our union is sort of so, so. Right. (laughs) (laughs) On a scale of one to 10, what do you guys give it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to give it like a six and a half, a seven. And we know that scale of one to ten thing is really, really variable. So yes, it's rigged. <laughs> that that's up in another episode, another show coming up. Yeah, that'll we, be another one. We that, have, yeah, we have a tuned. whole thing. Stay tuned for that. All right, I think we've pretty much uh, hit this because we hit this for now, almost a half hour, and we have two other things to talk about. Well, I want to say because I think this will segue in. I appreciated your tweets last night during the speech. Oh. Uh, they were interesting, timely, and good. And I had I had my iPad on my lap with my Twitter feed spooling, and as I'm watching the speech, and of course my other favorite Twitter or one of my other favorite Twitters, Keith Olbermann, was tweeting as well. Yes, I, I, I and, actually uh, I'm following him as well. Okay, yeah, I have followed him for a while and used to always get kind of annoyed with him because around three o'clock my time mm-hmm. um he would start tweeting these big long tweets about plugs for his show oh. and so i almost considered deleting him because i just couldn't take it because i can't watch a show every day i used to watch it every day i can't watch it every day now but um i appreciated that that now he doesn't have a show as of you know 96 hours ago and he was still tweeting on the president of the union or state of the union address so i thought that was good i, I liked his stuff i liked your stuff too but well, poor keith what's gonna happen okay i guess we're going straight to the keith keith, keith let's talk about keith well you know he has two twitter accounts at least that we know of right oh he does yes. i only know the one oh, okay you, you, you missed following the right the right one <laughs> oh for, for, no! What's his other one? His other one, F O K F O K. Oh, friends of Keith. Fr- friends of Keith News, something or other. Okay, okay, that's so, funny. So I have the Twitter account up right now for for <laughs> Mr. Oberman, and in his bearded look. Which yes, I, which he's I got thought, a picture on it. Yes, I thought that was funny as could be. He actually has stopped shaving. He, he posted one of his first couple of tweets was him 
uh, unshaven for a couple days, kind of getting that five o'clock shadow thing going, which is funny. So, well, first off, what do you think is the reason for his departure? Let's talk that question. Well, because they paid him out for his contract. So they wanted him out and they didn't want him around anymore and they paid him to leave the building. So I guess my best guess is that it had to do with the whole campaign uh, contribution scan- scandal or or thing that he made a, a monetary donation to a campaign uh, before the election. And apparently, according to NBC News, you're not supposed to do that. So when he got suspended for a few days, I think that sent him emotionally over the edge and throughout that um, something he had, the only statement that I heard him say was, it wasn't the show that was ever a problem for him. It was the circumstances surrounding the show that made the show so difficult. So I think that's partially why. Have you heard anything different? Well, based upon just what you're saying, I'm thinking the real reason that he decided, and I think he decided mutually is yes. that there was censorship. I think you that, think so? I think that okay. they, they were putting pressure on the show saying, you know, we want to review your commentaries before we're going to prove your guests. These are not things that you're going to hear about in the news. And uh-huh. that's probably one of those, like, you leave and don't talk about the fact that we've been trying to F up your show. Mm-hmm. And we'll just give you your money and you can quietly go away. Now. That's too bad. But what are they going to gain by that? What What are they going to? Well, I don't understand the management. No. Well, I guess you have to understand that it's GE, right? Bottom line. Right. And it's big corporate interest, and he did not speak well about big corporate interests. So I guess that's – is that it? I mean, I don't want to be that cynical and think that that's it, but I I do. I mean, where will he go? Where I mean, is he going to show up on CNN? Is he going to show up on – you know, I I know he won't be on ABC. We know that. No, and and I don't know that maybe he'll just do some internet thing or something because he does he does have the stigma now of being so opinionated and and of course in our supposed you know news whitewashing where we're all supposed to be neutral which doesn't happen trust me I understand that but they have to have the appearance of being neutral and fair and impartial or whatever he'll never get that he can't I don't think he could go back to that. He's so going to be on Fox News. That's where he's showing up. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, that'd be a good prediction right now. Wouldn't Put it? him on Fox. Put him on Fox. That way but they can Dan have their fair and balanced. And Olbermann. Uh-huh. That would be a great hour show. They, you know, they interview guests, they do their thing, and do it together. That would be awesome. So you'll have Keith talk, and you'll have somebody going... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. He, He's definitely a bright guy. He's going to land on his feet, I'm sure. I liked him. He's the first person that really made me care about news and the value of it. So um, one of the first podcasts I ever listened to was just the repeat of his show on on the audio feed. Yep, Countdown. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I watched him every day before the election, obviously back in 2010. What, eight? Yeah. I found, yeah. I found that he's a little bit farther to the left than my taste is some of the time. Correct. And I I mean, there's things I really like. I like when he goes after the right and because I think that the right tends to really have a holier than thou opinion of themselves. Yes. The left. Well, while he does, I think that he realizes and is able to take a true uh, evaluation, critical evaluation of himself. I think that's really why he wanted to tone down some rhetoric. Yes. But, but his job is rhetoric. I mean, that's, right. that's what it is. By yeah, He's a pundit and yeah. that's, that's what he's paid to do. Yeah. And he certainly did what they were paying him to do. So it's disappointing that they would change that in the middle of the stream, so to speak for him. So I, you know, I, I think I heard a murmuring that he might run for Senate. Yes, that was my which, next thing to say. <laughs> and I'm wondering, would he do it in New York or where would he do that exactly? Connecticut. Connecticut. Okay, is that where he resides? I believe well, so. Interesting. Gosh, well, very interesting. But you know why? Hmm. Because Joe Lieberman is retiring. <laughs> That's right. He's done. <laughs> so they're really, it's a, it's a great opening to do it. To do it. Yeah, that might have been part of his 
willingness to walk away so easily. I, I bet. I'm sure he walked out with several million dollars, and that would fund a campaign nicely, I bet. Well, even I mean, all he has to do is go on Twitter or on the internet and go, hey, I'm running for office. Can yeah. you guys, like, spare, like, a couple bucks? And yeah, he'll get plenty of donations. He'll get donations. He's got that media thing for him so he does, he does. And which he, is almost a negative in my mind it's like oh. oh come on you know you like the idea of al franken showing up in the senate <laughs> i do i like me some al franken i think he's funny and i think he's thoughtful and i think keith overman is the same way um so yes in that regard are those the kind of people i want to be correct in the senate but but because he will have it so easy so to speak on getting there um financially anyway I, I do feel like, well, sometimes it, it makes makes it unhelpful for other people. But, you know, here's the thing about Connecticut, and this is why it's a very weird thing. I don't really know. The, I think that, like, Joe Lieberman get, mm-hmm. gets a really bad rap. But, I mean, I've been because I've been listening to a lot of commentaries right. about this. Right. It's really funny when you talk about the Lieberman issue. Uh, they They love him and they hate him. It's a combo deal. First off, the the guy practically bends over backwards to vote like 85 plus percent Democrat, maybe 90 percent Democrat all the time. I mean, he is like he is like the guy. And then but because he doesn't do a few of the things that they really want him to do, they hate him. Well, I think when he endorsed the candidate from the other party, well, that was the well, <laughs> that but, was sort but, of the final straw, right? But, well, you know, it's it, <laughs> but you know, he truly was at, at the end an independent guy. He wasn't. I mean, you got yes, and that's fine, but that's not what the people of Connecticut elected. They elected Joe Lieberman, Democrat. No, and they then, didn't. He ran well, under the Joe Lieberman party. But before, when he was elected, wasn't he completely always Democrat? Right, and then they, uh, what they, um, this guy uh, Lamont mm-hmm. ran, ran against him in a primary and beat him in the Democratic primary. But here's the deal: he was elected by the total, uh, the total of Republicans and Democrats as a sum when he ran under the Lieberman Independent Party. But that was his last term, right? That's right, right, his last term. And the other ones before that, I feel like he was elected to be one thing, and then he changed his his mind. I, I don't know. I, no, I that was that was after, but that was after his after he got basically what what happened was the the Democrats didn't like the fact that he was supporting the war, right? And that he was you know being friendly to uh, yeah. Bush. They didn't like right. that. So they spent a whole lot of money outside of Connecticut. And and so it was kind of like, uh, what's that term? Carpetbaggers? Yes, yes. You and, come in, you do what you need to do, and you use up all the resources. So yeah. even though Lamont was a regular Connecticut dude, I guess, had been from there, most of his money came from outside of Connecticut. So he campaign didn't really And so they basically made it, uh, in my opinion, they made it look like a carpetbagger. You know, when moveon.org and all these other organizations come in just to target to get rid of one of their own. Right. <laughs> right. Just, exactly. You know, there's something up. Something up. You know? Yeah. And what it really comes down to is wh- which direction do you want to move the party to? Way far to the left, middle, right, whatever. But, I mean, you look at Obama now. Obama's really in the center. He's not like – he's not the liberal – guy that a lot of people thought that he elected. Right. Right. I, I think it'd be hard pressed to find anyone that thinks he's completely left leaning. I mean, yes, he has, but he, he may be left leaning in his opinions, but his policies and certainly what he's been able to accomplish is nothing but down the center for the most part. How do you, you like me now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and, and to the point where for, for some of us, it is a little disappointing, but you have to accomplish what you can accomplish when you can. So, so yeah. So if, if Keith Olbermann runs for the Senate and Connecticut mm-hmm. and would win, um, I think that'd be a good thing. I think that would be fine. I don't, I think he's got good points of view. I'd be curious to see what he's able to do. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I have my Twitter account up and I just see, saw that Keith Olbermann has changed his, uh, FOK um, uh, pro, uh, profile uh, photo. 
Uh-huh. And it now looks just like the Fox News icon, except it says F-O-K News <laughs> and with the thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. I like that. I just read One something. that got, you know, a sense of humor about it. <laughs> yes, it's very funny. So I probably shouldn't have that. Shouldn't have that up. <laughs> well, he's a fighter. He'll come out on top. But somebody else who did not come out on top this weekend, oh, Jack LaLanne. Jack LaLanne. What the hell is up with that? He, um, he's interesting. And, of course, you know, I hadn't thought about him in a couple years. I, I guess I should have put him on my Deadpool. Every time now somebody croaks, I'm going to think, damn it, why didn't I think of them for my Deadpool? But yeah, How many points could have he gotten? Except, the- I, But, you know, he's a mixed bag because, yeah, he's old, 96, but nobody's in better health. So it would have been a he he'd have probably pulled or or pointed out at like a sixty year old. You know what I mean? Even though he was ninety six. Well, tell me this: what the heck did he die of? Oh, I hadn't even heard. Oh my gosh, I feel bad. I don't even know. No one knows. That's all. Is it just old age? He's indestructible. So his <laughs> death seems unexpected. That's what this one's writing here. It says upon hearing, uh, I. Let's see. They all talk about him like, you know, he's like Superman. It's right. like it's like Superman died. And, uh, you know, yeah, he's doing the juicer thing. But what do you know? And the reason I wanted Jack Lane on here, not just because he's like this thing, but when I lived, when I was growing up visiting my grandfather in Chino, because okay. they had a house down in Chino right off central and uh, down there. Okay. Get, trying to give you a visual. I don't know if you yeah, know that I, area. Yeah, I've got it. I sure do. The, yeah. The, 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 actually, the avenue was tele, Telephone Avenue. Oh, I know exactly where that is. Yeah. Yes. They, they, they yeah. owned one of the houses right off Telephone Avenue. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyways, we, I'd go there to spend like weeks at a time as a little kid. And I can remember him turning on Jack Lane and exercising in front of that front black of and TV. white TV, watching him do the, all of those exercises. And yeah. Yeah. He, he obviously pioneered the fitness industry hugely. And, and just to have a little side note here, apparently he did die of uh, respiratory failure due, due to comp- complications from pneumonia. So, uh, so he had been sick with that. But at 96, come on, you well, know, that's pretty good. Pneumonia. That, that's what usually gets people when they're that age, actually. That age, right, exactly. So so he um, – He drowned. Probably, yeah, which is sort of ironic considering all the water stunts that he did. I know. And I didn't realize that he, when he was 70, he pulled – you heard this, I'm sure. Oh, I did. Yeah. Towed 70 boats from L.A. to Catalina, which is 26 miles, uh-huh. with 70 people in the boats – and his hands were handcuffed. So he did like this bizarre like breaststroke the entire way. It's incredible at any age to do that, let alone 70 years old. So would, the man I, was strong. The man was Superman. He yeah. was just crazy man. Yeah. And what, what was the deal with the white German shepherds? Did he, he just enjoyed them? Were those his pets? Uh, yeah, and I think that they would be on his show and stuff of that nature. Yeah, fact, they're pretty dogs. <laughs> do you know that uh, down on Mountain Avenue where – I'm not sure – it's next to Trader Joe's, between yes. Trader Joe's and where – That was the Jack LaLanne's fitness spa. That was the ja- – yeah, that was Jack LaLanne's spa. Yep. I don't know what it is today. but it's- uh, Now it's a Michael's craft store. It was a Jack LaLanne's and then it turned into a movie theater. And then they sort of redid that little center, and now it's a little crafts, uh, a Michael's, you know, arts and crafts supply, uh-huh. and the Trader Joe's is there and all that now. Yes, I remember that, Jim, very well. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and he was on TV. I think my parents watched. I don't remember them ever doing the exercises, but they did watch. And it's just a name that no matter – when you hear his name, you instantly think, really fit guy in a jumpsuit. And <laughs> – but, and it doesn't matter. I never saw him wear anything else but that jumpsuit. But you know what? You never thought he was full of crap. You, no, he was legit. Yes. He, he was like the guy. I mean, it's not like he would tell you, if you eat these fitness bars, you'll be like me. If you do this, you'll be like no, he, What he said was, if you freaking work out like two hours a day and you eat right food and do all the right things, yeah, you'll be like me. He never. Be- huh? Yeah, you'll be like me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He, but he didn't try to sugarcoat it with BS of like, you know, I got some quick, uh, quick fit ideas for you. 
It was never right. Like he that. wasn't a get get thin fast kind of guy. He was a hard worker. He knew what it took to get it done, and he literally, you know, shouted it from the rooftops essentially by being on TV. What's interesting is that why don't people listen? Oh, it's hard. Yeah, he he had convention <laughs> conventional wisdom. Conventional. He did, and and the whole eat less, move more thing. It's not science; it's just reality. And he was good at that. And maybe because he became such a caricature, maybe that's why his message got lost on a lot of people. Yeah, that could be. And I wonder uh, that his lifestyle was sort of unattainable. That could, yeah, that's it's possible. Of course, if you're well to do, you don't have to worry about you know wake up and go do two hours of workout. Well, Yes, exactly. You have the, the world is your oyster at that point. So for the rest of us, maybe he could have tried, well, try to adapt it towards more normal life. But I don't know. I, I think that he was always positive. He's married to the same gal for a long time. He seemed to have a lot of good things going. And, and it's a shame to lose someone like that because he had just common sense. Oh, absolutely. About health, you know, and when you look at him as opposed to an Arnold Schwarzenegger, who is also renowned for his fitness abilities, but who is not the most fit person anymore. I mean, he's still he's still all right, but he's not. Jack Lane stayed at that peak performance level his entire career, his entire life, essentially. So the fact that he was able to maintain it for so long should really be respected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's see. Whereas Arnold, you know was Mr. Universe, but you can only have that for a short period of time. Yeah. Well, those were bodybuilders yeah. and, and he was not a, a really a bodybuilder. He was a fitness guru. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Guru is the right word for that because there's no other way to, you know, explain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Too bad. I know it's a shame. And, and do you own a Jacqueline juicer? I do not. You do not. I don't either. I wonder just, Ironically, if the sales of those things will go up just because of his death. Very well, kid. I, <laughs> like, like Charles Schultz made more money off of Snoopy paraphernalia after he died than he did during his life. So, that did he really? I think so. Yeah, he grosses more now than he ever did. Um, and, of course, he's not alive. So, <laughs> it's crazy. Poor old Jack. <laughs> but, you know, okay, I had a little rant the other night, and, and I'm going to go off on this with you in that. And he's a good person to do it with. You know, we were talking about healthcare reform at this little forum that I was at mm-hmm. and uh, decided that that really the reform for healthcare isn't in insurance companies and all of that. It's in all of us deciding to take better care of our bodies and to feed our bodies better and, and definitely exercise and use what we have as our own resources and energy to, to create healthier people. It's not going to stop cancer. It's not going to stop, you know, diabetes. People have disease, and that's a different issue. But for the majority of us who can preventatively help ourselves beforehand, that's what I think we should be talking about with healthcare reform. And I don't think we get any of that from politicians. That's my tangent. That, that was your your th- your and the other people there in the room. They were like different. No, well, not that anybody was different, but it's like, well, you can't get people to do it. It's like, well, what do you mean you can't get people to do it? It's expensive to eat healthy or it's this or it's that. And I disagree. I think I think there are expensive parts to it, but paying for diabetes medication every month is expensive. So yeah. if you weigh the two out, I do think logically you'd have to think, well, if I just didn't get the disease, I'd be better off. I, I don't know. It just doesn't taste good. That's the problem. <laughs> I agree. Just, You're right. Give me sugar and fattening food because that's what I want is salt and Those things fat, are good. Yeah. You know, uh, give me McDonald's, McDonald's <laughs> Burger King, Taco Bell. Yeah, that is the worst part of trying to eat well is that, you know, since the New Year's, blah, 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 I've been trying to be better. And then we went on a little vacation this weekend and absolutely ate and drank what we wanted and, and enjoyed every second of it. And by no means do I consider myself healthy. So I'm not trying to, to tout that I'm some health person, but, you know, trying to do better. And then when you get your system used to kind of good, better stuff, and then you don't stick on that, it's not fun. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I've been trying to eat healthy. I actually have been taking those steamed vegetables bags to work with me. Yeah. Okay. Um, All right. I'm like really like in the morning I had uh, uh, 
two hard-boiled eggs and some cheese. Right. I'm good. I'm really, okay. I'm, I, you know, occasionally I'll, you know, there might be a little splurge here or there, but for the most part, yeah. I, I think actually I'm not overly indulging. I feel like I've maybe lost a pound this week, so that's oh, that's good. Good for you. That's good. Damn you, but good but, for you. But you know yeah. what? But but I haven't I exercised yet this week, so. But I will be doing my kettlebell, which I have. Oh, did you get a kettle? Oh, those are fun. Good do, for you. Oh, do you have one too? I do. Do you like do you need to do them too, or are you just going to wing it? Um, I've been watching the video and kind, yeah. of, kind of doing basically arms and then swinging it, which is like doing squats. Yes, exactly. And yes. I was in pain for the last three days. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness you live in a single-story home, right? If yes. you go up and down stairs, oh things gosh. are really painful. I couldn't believe it. I thought, you know, I'm like, oh, I'll just get a 15-pounder. That'll be no piece of cake. Oh, yeah. yeah. No. When you start swinging that thing and got to control that weight, it is an intense yes. Oh, it was. It, it's it, yeah. Good times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I have them. They sit on the floor in my living room, and I don't ever lift them up and down. <laughs> well, I've started, like, trying it when I watch TV. I'll just go out okay. there, and I'll just watch TV, and then I'll lift, do this arm for so many minutes, and that one, and this. And you have know, 15 right. minutes for me, although it's supposed to be, like, a long workout. So, but Well, I've just downloaded I, the uh, book by the guy who wrote – he wrote The 4-Hour Week, which I don't know if you've ever read that or heard of that. Mm-mm. And I, I haven't read that one. But this is called the four-hour body, and his his take on it is that the exercise that you do should be the most intense, most gut wrenching, hard stuff ever, and you do it for as short as time as possible, and that's where you're going to get these maximum results. So I'll finish the book. I just started it, so I'll finish it, and then I'll give you a report on it, and let you know oh, if good. there's anything to it. So yeah, because I would love to not have to spend as much time doing the things that I do uh, that I consider exercise. So it would be nicer to maybe do less and, and get some results. That would be a real charming thing. Well, you know what they say. They say if you want to build muscle uh, bulky bulk, you're supposed to use heavy weights. Right. And if you want to uh, burn fat and, be, and, burn, and create lean muscle, you use lighter weights with long, more reps. And I think that's getting debunked more and more that I keep reading and oh, really? not just by this book, by, by other people. And that in theory for all of us, and of course stuff I read is mostly geared towards women. You know, women are afraid of bulking up. They don't want that, yeah. but the weight that we'd have to lift to bulk up would be so substantial. It's not, it's really not applicable. And so basically what you're trying to get out of the, the muscle mass is the increased metabolism. And that overall just keeps you healthier and thinner, et cetera. So you're not going to be, you know, Mrs. Schwarzenegger. You're going to just be fine. And, and if you get to a point where you're lifting so much that you do become bulky, well then you ease off on that. But yeah, for us to become bulked out is really hard. Now for guys, guys and guys want a different look too. So they need to be different about what the weights they choose. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah. And I wish I had some sort of, you know, degree other than the made up one in my brain about exercise and physiology to be able to speak to these things. Although it does feel like whatever you learn. Oh, I thought you have a degree in, in, in uh, all that. <laughs> I don't. No, I, I, I do not. We'll just so, say yeah. that you do. How's that? I, I should. Yeah. Just put, I'll put it on my resume. Right. No one's going to check. No, no, yeah. There's no fact checking. We know that. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> well, so, I feel like we're covered our day. Say that. Uh, I just. I feel like we've covered our topics today we, fairly well. We did, and then we have one last thing we're going to throw in, uh, which yes. is which is Chris's uh, chat. Whoop. Ladies and gentlemen, TJ Talks presents Uncle Chris. Hello, my little piggies. Welcome to the first installment of Uncle Chris is pissed. I am, of course, Uncle Chris, and thank you for listening. I'd also like to thank Judd and Teresa for letting me be part of their podcast. Now, let's get down to brass tacks, as it were. Unless you live under a rock, you undoubtedly know about the tragedy in Tucson. Now, I'm not going to wax poetic on whether guns are good or guns are bad, because, to be quite honest, I'm a big fan of the Second Amendment. And I've owned guns in the past, and I might do so again in the future. But I do have a beef. The shooter, Jared Loeffner, had a handgun with an ammunition clip that held 31 shots. Let me repeat that. 31 shots! Only one thing that should have 31 of anything, and that's Baskin Robbins. 
Who the hell needs that many bullets aside from a police officer or soldier? Back in the day, a 10-shot clip was the norm. And if he'd had him one of those, I'm pretty damn sure the body count would have been much lower. I think we should go back to 10 shots. That's plenty. And if I hear one more asshat say, guns don't kill people, people kill people, I'm going to lose it. First off, it has nothing to do with the argument I and others are making. Secondly, it's like saying fishing rods don't catch fish, fishermen do. Yeah, well, it'd be a hell of a lot harder to bag you some big mouth bass with your bare hands, Master Caster. I've talked to a few, shall we say, special people about this situation who are wetting themselves because they're afraid stormtroopers will now come and take their guns. Of course, these schmucks have been freaking since Obama took office. Remember the ammo shortage? If these chips could, could read and or stop watching Fox News, they would know that Obama signed a bill a couple of months after his inauguration that expanded the rights of gun owners. Did you hear that? Expanded. It's House Resolution 627, and it's the reason people can now carry concealed weapons in national parks. Oh, by the way, the gun lobby have been trying to get that provision for years. So listen to me, Cousin Jethro. Obama is not after your guns, and there is no logical path to that conclusion. And since I know some of you gun-toting twits are still confused, here's an analogy. Let's say you live next door to some douchebag who hates the fact that you have a beautiful lawn. One day he even tells you, I don't like the fact that your lawn is so nice. It makes mine look bad. I'm going to destroy it. But first, here's some fertilizer. Stop being so paranoid and deluded, hillbillies. Here's another great one I heard somebody say when I brought up requiring gun clips to hold 10 shots. I have the right to defend my family. What if an intruder comes into my house? And I said, you mean like your mother-in-law? We both laughed and that was the end of it. You see, this was at work and I had to play nice, which I hate. So I didn't say what I wanted to, but I will now. Hey there, dead-eyed dick. If you can't take out an intruder with 10 shots, those extra 21 ain't going to help you. Maybe you should get a Nerf football for home protection because you'll have about the same success rate. Now, like I mentioned before, I am an advocate of the Second Amendment, as is Congresswoman Gabrielle Giffords. We get it, but you don't need a grenade launcher any more than you need a 31-shot clip. By the way, a little side note, nay, let's call it a tangent. I have a problem with the teabaggers. Yes, I said teabaggers, not tea partiers. Want to know why? I don't really care if you do or don't, I'm going to tell you anyway. They, so they originally called themselves teabaggers until they found out what teabagging meant. Well, you know. This is a fact. I have pictures and a pie chart that proves it. But I digress. So my problem is that teabaggers don't read, and they sure as hell can't spell. You've seen their signs. And I'm really surprised that the phrase, right to bear arms, doesn't baffle them. Bear arms? Bear arms, bear arms. Perhaps they think that means having the appendages of a grizzly. Or taking in consideration that characteristic spelling deficit, rubbing a little nair on the wrist whiskers might do the trick. I guess my point is, shut up, nobody cares, go eat you some coyote carcass casserole and play that dang banjo of yours. Whew, hold on, I think I'm going to pass out. One final note on Jared Lochner, he better get the death penalty. Period. And don't tell me, but he's mentally ill. No, he's effing crazy. And since he is, maybe he won't know we're going to kill him. Strap him in and tell him it's a ride at Disneyland. Yo, ho, ho, here we go. At this point, you may be asking yourself, what's the point? The point is this. As Americans, we always seem to do things to the nth degree, even when it is dangerous. Does anybody really need to eat all you can eat? No. If you did that every day, you'd die. Wait a minute. I just had a brainstorm. Maybe we can start a trend of serving deep fried sticks of butter at teabagger rallies and start thinning the herd. It will be a slow process, but I find anything worthwhile is. To quote the great philosopher Van Wilder, write that down. So here ended the sermon for today. Hope you liked it or even loved it. I actually don't care either way because I am Uncle Chris and I am pissed. Once again, thank you, Chris, for your uh, report. We appreciate it, and we look forward to the next Uncle Chris report. And uh, Reporting from uh, Paradise, right? Paradise, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
We need more reports from Paradise. So, Chris, get on that, please. Yes. And it, once again, if uh, any of you else out there, any of you listeners want to provide us with uh, a little report, keep it under five minutes, and we will be more than happy to add it to the TJ Talks podcast. All right. And we'll talk about you. Okay. <laughs> Whether you're in the room or not, we'll talk about That's it. That's right. So uh, one last thing I really want to talk about for our mm-hmm. listeners is we're going to, we're getting ready because the Oscars have been announced as far as right. the nominees. Mm-hmm. So we want to know what you guys think. So we're, I'm going to work up a ballot that we can send out to people that we know. And we're, we'll, you know, not just our opinion, but the opinion of our friends. And we'll come back and, and we'll reveal all that needs to be revealed. The all that needs to be yes, and all that needs to be revealed are the top categories. I don't want to. I don't want to do best art direction, right? We're gonna no, do no, not just not, the biggies. Really? Or do we? Oh, make, we're doing them all. I don't know. I don't know. Do we make up our own? Do we make up our own categories? <gasps> oh, I like that idea. I, I come up with a couple. I'm right. sure. It, yes. Isn't that what MTV did? You know. Yes, they did. But, yeah, that's you know, a good idea. Be, best, okay, I think be, we should do that. Best kiss. Oh wait. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, there's got to be something that we can do for that. Right. Okay, so, and if, if you are listening and you have a submission for a category, send that to us quickly so we can put that on the ballot. Right. Although, we need all the although we'll have traditional categories as well, but we are going to have our own special TJ Talks categories. Categories. Because <laughs> Lord knows no one can judge stuff better than we can. Th- that's right. <laughs> Scale of one to ten. That's right. <laughs> well, on that note. Right. On that note, I... For TJ Talks, I'm Judd. And I'm Teresa. Great, and we will be chatting with you later. Talk at you later.